0: So, Berto, a colleague of mine once called me, and I, I, I this was a while ago, so I might misremember some of the details, but this is my memory. She called me and she said that she was working with a client mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, family client. It was a parents and and a daughter. Daughter was defying the rules and oh, no. maybe using pot and the gra- pot grades were going down and and the. The father was really worried and trying to um, get his Mm -hmm. daughter to follow the rules, don't run away from home, stop talking back, clean her room. Mother was also involved. And they had a middle-class life. Uh, Girl went to a good school. Pretty typical family therapy client. Very, very common presenting problems. Well, my colleague calls me Mm -hmm. and says that – had I read the news, and I, I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" She's like, "Well, oh no, my client, the father and the client killed the daughter, and maybe the wife too, and himself." I, I can't remember oh, the full. This isn't the whole fire thing. No, no, this, this is, isn't the fire. Thing. No, this is not the fire thing. Okay, oh, we'll get into that too. But this was um, a very small story in the news. Oh my god, it wasn't national. It was, yeah. just, it was just local to Seattle, and the thing that was so horrible about it, I mean, obviously it's a tragedy and yeah. people dying and murder is awful. And why, you know what I yeah. mean? Uh, but my, but my colleague was the family therapist that, uh, yeah. that day. I think I, th- I they had, had a meeting that day. I, I think so. Oh, I think it was like, oh my God. you know, she had, he, she had a meeting with, again, this could all be mixed up in my head, but in my head, I have this vision of my colleague having, a family session alone with the father and then right after he dedicates himself to you know killing his daughter waits for her to come home kills her and i think kill himself not not quite sure uh, it was it was a total shock and you, you hear about these stories in the yeah. news it's another thing for me yeah. to hear about it so close to me and then to for me to worry like do i have any clients that might do that yeah you know it, it's a thing right So, have you heard of these stories, and what do you think of them, Berto?
1: Every time, I have. uh, Every time I'm skimming the news and I see one of these headlines, it's just so devastating. I have a very, I don't know, very very visual mind. I envision things really easily. uh, Pretty empathetic, so, like... When when I'm reading even the headline, I immediately like start pitch, picturing the scenario and just the horror of the situation, the confusion in the little kids' heads. Why is daddy doing it? Like, what's happening? Ugh. Just it's aw-
0: terrible. It's awful. So, patron Matt wrote in and said, I'm interested in the psychology of family annihilators. Oof. Uh, so, I didn't even know that was a term. Did you? Yeah, No. Uh, I live in Minneapolis, roughly a mile away from the triple murder-suicide that happened recently. I've found some of the research to be really lacking. I think it would be a very good, uh, interesting conversation to have on the podcast about domestic violence, personality disorders, compounded with depressive disorders, suicide, and, and guns. I think an episode on family annihilators could shed more light on the subject to better mitigate and intervene in these mass murderers. So, let's talk about that, Berto. What do you say? Let's sadly do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host,
1: Dr. Kirkanda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I work on a little startup doing pre-stuffed envelopes. So, uh, no
0: joke, when I was in high school... I had a job where I stuffed them on (laughs) all day long. Oh, we could have hired you. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, it's sort of an interesting story that I'll tell um, in another episode remind me. Okay. But anyway, (laughs) so on Facebook, I asked people, why do you think we're even interested in these kinds of stories? Because they just seem so awful, you know? Like, uh, what's the fascination with it, right? Well, Charles said... I think we feel the need to understand something so horrible. Family annihilators typically typically come out of nowhere, and it's scary that, that there are no warning signs, it seems. Uh, it feels like it could happen at any time to anyone, hence the need to understand how this happens and any possible signs to look out for. So is that your sense? Is that the after these news stories come out, the sense is like, it, it there were no warning signs it just seemed to come out of nowhere to people
1: uh no because well obviously i you know for, for the specific news item it came out of nowhere for me you know but i don't know anything about those people um i actually always sort of had the opposite reaction cuz you know as as much strife and crappy stuff that i had growing up as a kid like that's one thing that i never worried about or even For a second contemplated that like my dad or my uncle or someone would like go on a killing spree you know no one was physically abusive and it's just like that thought never even entered my mind i i also didn't really see that growing up in movies or shows for whatever reason so that was not a thing and so i remember when i first would read these things like not comprehending how someone would get to that point so it's sort of like the opposite like no I don't feel that this is about to happen to anyone. I feel it's rare and horrifying, and even more so. That's why I was putting myself in the shoes of those kids. Like, like what? Now, as to whether it came out of nowhere for the individuals, well, I would venture to, ima- I would imagine, no. Like, I, I bet you that at least upon closer inspection, there would have been signs. But you know, well, we'll get into that for sure. What are the signs? Are there
0: signs? Yeah, we'll get into that. Top fan Tasha on Facebook says. Uh, in theory, your family is the most trusted circle. The idea of being killed by someone that close to you is horrifying. So I guess that's yeah. why I guess this is why we're interested in it. So um, a little history here. Dietz in 1986 was the first person to coin the term family annihilator um, in the um, an American medical bull- bulletin. As a uh, three category uh, of, of of the three categories of mass murder, so you hmm. have you know people who kill multiple people yeah. at the same time. You have family annihilators. You have pseudo commandos, and you have set and run killers. We won't go into the, the sure, details. Sure, there, sure. there are other c- categories we'll get to in a second, but um, that's where we got the term "family
1: annihilator." By the way, there's something so Darwinian. About the idea that, you know, we all have this like instinct to live, meaning, you know, like we suck in air autonomically and then we like, we get hungry. And then on top of that, we have these layered things about how can I thrive? And then you pass that, you start having those feelings about like, ooh, I'm not gonna be here forever, but my child might, or at least be longer than me. So I need to like protect that child. These cases are like, The complete negation of all those instincts. Not only are you taking your yourself out, you're taking the future that you put down on on the earth out as well. Yeah, it's it's
0: yeah, right. The impulse to have sex, to raise children, to um, teach your children how to survive, uh, is logical when we map it onto evolution and the propagation of one's DNA this behavior seems the direct opposite of that right yeah and and hard to explain uh so and yet you know we see enough of the phenomenon to say well definitely this is within human capacity yeah. and instinct to do uh
1: so what is the definition of a family annihilator do you think seems to me like someone whose target you know it, it like you said it's a subset of these Individuals that go on a mass killing session and the mass killing defined by, I don't know, more than three or something, and that their targets are not strangers, but instead are part of their family. And I imagine that a lot of times they they include themselves. Uh, Yeah,
0: it's a little bit more specific than that. It's a parent. So according to your definition, it could have been... A kid could have been it. Right. They usually exclude those. Oh, interesting. Uh, so these are parents who deliberately attempt to kill, and so they don't necessarily kill. So family annihilators might fail in their attempts. I right? see. A, a parent who uh, deliberately attempts to kill multiple members of their family, usually children and the other parent. Uh, suicide is not part of the definition oh, okay. because many family annihilators don't attempt suicide. They, they often like do. Like that dude, the... The dude with the pregnant wife and the two girls. Yeah, we'll talk about him. Um, actually, let's talk about him now. So so, so famous examples. Yeah. Um, perhaps the most famous one in recent history was the Watts, Chris Watts. Yeah. Uh, t- 2018, two years ago in Frederick, Colorado, he was having an affair. It seems he wanted to leave his family and wife uh, to be with his new relationship. Right. And he strangled his pregnant wife to death. Then he smothered his two daughters to death and disposed of their bodies in oil tanks, and buried his wife in a shallow grave at his work site. Uh. Um, he tried to get away with it. He, you know, didn't try to kill himself. He, there's all these famous videos of him. You know, please, you know, if anyone knows where they are, and, and oh, also a
1: famous police video. of. I watched all the police inter- interrogation, all the neighbor footage with the cop, all the interviews with him, with the media. I watched, I was obsessed about this thing, because it was so... Why? cuz it was again it was so incomprehensible i mean, I mean it, it seems i to, get the logic i'm like yeah okay the the for some reason the the wire short-circuited and the answer to him wanting to start a new life with this other person was he needed to annihilate everyone in his current life doesn't make sense uh, you know but uh, anyways well you seem so hurt and distressed by yes, this Yes, it why- really causes me caused me and causes me stress
0: why did you Consumes so much information about it?
1: Well, um, that's a great question. So initially I didn't. Um, They did happen to plaster it everywhere. Uh, They did, but I managed to not see. Yeah, I I know, I know. What what ended up happening, though, is I actually tangentially arrived at those videos of the police interrogations because I had been interested in watching police interrogation videos as a general category. So I've been watching a ton of them. And those I find pretty interesting because a lot of times they're not about um, just murderers. It could be about a whole bunch of types of crime and stuff. And, and I really find it fascinating how the cops are like so patient and they have this technique that you don't see in the movies. Right. And it, so I, I find that interesting. Inevitably, it led me to those, the Watts ones and I watched those and I, and then I started getting really upset. Just, you know, and then I got a little obsessive and then I watched the neighbor footage and then it was kind of like watching this train wreck where I'm like, this combination of this, like, you know, psychopath with, but at the same time, like a complete dork when he's trying to cover his tracks. Right. Like he doesn't do anything right. Right. And it was just, I couldn't stop watching for some reason. Right. It it, it was a terrible
0: attempt to cover yeah. up the, 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 the murders.
1: I felt like it was a Coen brothers movie or something, you know? Yeah. It's just bad. But you didn't answer my question. Like,
0: um, and I get it. I've gone down rabbit holes, uh, not this rabbit hole, but you know, last night I went down a Beatles rabbit hole where I wanted to learn everything about the song uh, "Long, Long, Long" by you know oh, G- George Her- George Harrison. On
1: the I white- love that song.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of my top Ugh. probably four Beatles songs or something. And and I uh, was last night I read all the history. There's all this history of like the 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 recording day just a little detail that's yeah. sort of interesting is say George brings a song in the rest of the band had kind of heard it uh-huh. but and it, they came into the studio uh, like at, in the afternoon sometime and because they were working on George's song John typically didn't show up oh he was a prima donna yeah, people often this is a side tangent <laughs> but people often blame Paul you know they're right. like oh Paul was the jerk and and George and Paul were fighting all the time right. but if you listen to George's songs Paul is like
1: instrumental.
0: Yeah. Like literally. <laughs> yeah. And you know, to while my guitar gently weeps, yeah. the you know, the piano part and the harmonies, yeah. uh to um someday, you know, like yeah. uh not someday. Something. Something. Um it, these and to long, long long, like uh, Paul wrote the keyboard oh, part. Oh, interesting! And did some of the harmonies, and obviously wrote the bass part. Like those right. are critical parts. And, and Ringo has yeah. a great uh, drum part. Anyway, listen to Long, Long, Long. But um, they re- they came in like at five o'clock in the afternoon, and they recorded it like sixty times. <laughs> oh my so, god! So the way that they did this back then, they basically like rehearsed the song yeah, as, as they, they were recording. recording it, and by the time they got to the final. Uh, version, you yeah. know, they're like, okay, well, that's probably good, and then they came back the next day and added some, just a couple yeah. overdubs, and it's live, yeah. So it's George, you know, George playing acoustic guitar, singing, Paul on the on the organ, and yeah. Ringo on the drums, and then later they came back and added bass, and uh, and another guy actually played piano, like this random engineer huh. guy. Anyway, um, wait, wait so, which album? White album. White album. Okay. So I have, uh, I go down rabbit holes. Yeah, but. I was not distressed. I was elated to learn all this information about this Beatles song that I've loved for so long, what, and because a lot of the listeners right now yeah. are just like you, yeah. Um, and, and I'm not going to say I don't go down rabbit holes that don't distress me either. You know, yeah. just watching the recent documentary "Don't Fuck with Cats," I was right. obsessed with, with that, that with that uh, documentary. I, I couldn't put it down. I was like, what. And but it, it was stressful. It was not yeah. a happy documentary. Yeah. Um, so why do you, <sighs> yeah. in particular, and yeah. maybe it's universal, but why do you dive into something that's so right. distressful to you?
1: Um, okay, so I have personally always been fascinated with psychopaths. I, even in, in high school. Actually, no, even as a kid, because I remember talking to my dad and, and having him explain to me, like what's a psychopath? But know, why? Well, I don't know why that started. I why but was. that's the question. I get. I get that. No, you no, no. But 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 that fa- you know, it's like saying, why are you fascinated with dinosaurs? Well, as a kid, it's because they're cool. They're big. They're they're fancy, right? But later, Maybe in you life, don't know if you don't know the answer, you don't know the answer. Well, but, but later in life, you might say, well, the reason I love the the National Museum of Natural History in New York is because of dinosaurs, right? Right. But I don't know why dinosaurs are so appealing to a child. I don't know why psychopaths were appealing to me as a child. But, uh, but I do but, know that. But, But I do know that that's one of the things that over the years has carried forward, right? But contemplate that, you know. Don't tell me the data; tell me the why. You're telling me like, but you're asking, you're asking like, why an eight year old finds something interesting? And if you don't know the answer, I don't know why psychopaths. But but I do know that in this case, so if if I'm drawing the Venn or the the yeah like the the circle diagram of what are the contributing factors, one is that it's a psychopath type thing. That one's already gonna check that box. Second one is, yeah, this horror of like, you know. Here's uh, on the, you see those pictures like this happy family and with seemingly not enough cost because people have affairs and get divorces all the time. 50% of the country or something, right? And not the affairs necessarily, but the divorces. Mm. That, so how do you go to that portrait of these beautiful girls and the smiling wife and the guy to like the murders, right? Then that, so that's another checkbox. The third one is the way in, he, in which he did it is so egregious like there could have been so many more quote unquote humane or quicker or whatever ways so like so i think what starts accruing in my mind is the horror movie checkboxes all of a sudden i'm like the things about me that like horror movies which is probably the the adrenaline rush and the the fear of the of the grotesque and the, all the all this starts feeling like an actual horror movie do you think you felt that adrenaline rush as you were deep diving into it Yeah, it's definitely like pulse quickening, um, anger too. like, like, God, I wish we could stop this before it's, you know, do you
0: think it's a, uh, uh, exercise of provoking just any emotion to, to have any emotion? Like when one feels lack of emotion and sort of lack of interest or lack of. Uh, And I've never thought about this before. I'm sure someone else has speculated this
1: before. Well, in my case, one thing it could be is the association, even though this is like the brutalist version of it, the association of breaking up a family being something that triggers me specifically. Yeah. So in other words, potentially, just like when I watched Kramer versus Kramer, that movie hit me hard. Because I felt I related to it so much. And know, for those I, who don't know, your
0: mother abandoned you when you were a child, your parents divorced. Yeah. And you, In this had, movie. A, you had a number of different kinds of abandonments, so to speak, with lots of people yeah. as
1: a child. And so seeing a movie about a, a painful a divorce and a breakup and sort of a a mom who wasn't quite as engaged and things like that. So anyway, so that movie, for example, really triggered me, but I really love it, you know. So there there is potentially a thing about how this is a family, a broken up family, and it just happens to be broken up in an extreme grotesque way. But there could be some something that triggers me to want to seek that out. Right. Yeah, um, I think that's
0: that's a good speculation. It's a speculation I've had is that people are attracted to things, you know, to be attracted to a... Uh, You know, a piece of chocolate, for example, makes sense because our brains are set up to flood our brains with all these nice chemicals when we um, eat certain substances and have certain compounds on our tongue, for example, or even just see a compound or see an image that's associated with the compound from before the association that goes to our brain. But when it comes to things that are distressing <laughs> that right. are I mean, right. horror movies, I can I can understand more easily because we all understand it's entertainment. It's not real. Okay. But to be attracted to a real event yeah. that and you in particular are more, uh, you know, rocked and and affected right. negatively by and and the image in your head, you know, Right. Um, so it, it's in, and. It's interesting, and I, I get, again, a lot of listeners, I think, are like this, too, because I feel like I'm not one of those people. I, I, I will deep dive on lots of odd things, too, but um, but for whatever reason, because the only reason why I know anything about these people is because people have been constantly asking me to do podcasts yeah. about yeah. it. Um, and I have no natural inclination to learn about Ted Bundy or mm-hmm. any of these people. It just It's just like... Okay, I don't know why, uh, but yeah. so what's the difference? Okay. So, so I think I think it is possible that for a lot of people who went through really difficult, horrific experiences growing up, that there's an attraction to uh, you know, going to the to the scene of the crime, you know. Yeah. It's like you were um 9/11, you were in lower Manhattan and you survived it and you want to go back. To you know the seat, to ground zero, every once in a while, uh, even though you don't have good memories, you know, even though you you remember the the difficulty.
1: You know the the other thought that came to mind just now actually is uh, something about these cases. Usually, not always. Usually, they involve uh, the the man, the husband, um, going wacko and basically self destructing, not only themselves but their family, and. I think there's something about that too, because it, again, this this is like these these are like the horrific, horrific, extreme versions of it. But in my dad's case, he he kind of self destructed his life, you know, yeah. not kind of, he did. Just that he didn't commit murders, he didn't you know go to jail, but essentially became unable to work and have money and all these things, and became a, a burden in that sense. And I think there's something to that as well, like this feeling. In fact, I re- I remember. This dream I had when I was a kid, when my dad was already struggling, and the dream was really horrific. In my dream, there were some robbers or something, some bad guys, and they beat my dad up, like really badly. Like, like I, you know, I remember when I woke up, I was so horrified because it was like a really bloody movie or something, you know, and and in, i remember feeling in the dream like uh, how helpless i was how helpless my dad was and that that was essentially the nightmare um and i i mean i was young it was probably like 9 or 8 or something and i still remember it to this day like that feeling um and so i that that reality of feeling as a child like wow like something's not quite right here like i'm not sure what's happening but like i don't feel secure, and this person seems to be this person that I depend on seems to be like imploding or something, and so there might be a little bit of that too, like I see these cases and it reminds me in this brutal fashion of like someone just losing it and ruining their whole life
0: right so being reminded of something yeah. is something lots yeah. of things remind us, but why would we why would we purposely suffer and I think that the uh, the only speculation I can come up with and I'm coming up with it right now I think is that it's a effort to return to the side of the of the crime to try to understand it you mm. know, for someone who survived 9-11 to go to ground zero it's like we tend to feel in a weird way we're grieving I think on one level so I guess that's another level you know it gives us a chance to feel the emotions that maybe were left on the battlefield so to speak it gives us a, a, also a chance to Uh, feel a little safer because it's like um, I'm now viewing it from the outside. I'm not actually in it anymore. I'm, I'm reviewing something. I'm not, you know, it didn't happen to me. And, um, but I wonder if for people like you and people listening out there and feel free to comment um, if you want to below is um, do you think overall it's a, it's a, it's a net benefit to your life. And I think that's what I, 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 And I often think this about you, Umberto, in situations like this, because it, it sounds to me like half of that investigation was a return to the side of the, the scene of, this, of the crime of your childhood right. and a way of trying to grieve the feelings and... Uh, understand it better from another angle, like, oh, this is another train wreck father. Um, you know, why did they do that? Well, you know, and I'm ga- gaining some experience or it, I'm not alone. It happens to other people There's right. some, some kind of uh, general, uh, normal grief kind of process around it. But then I think a, another 50 percent is added on there of just like your own You have the hand on the back of your head is like shoving your head into the internet. Yeah. And you're just like, and you know, in a clockwork (laughs) Clockwork orange, orange (laughs) uh, keeping your eyes open. And you're like, I I don't want to see any, I don't want this is getting into my brain, man. Like, because not to put you through it again, but the Watts murders, I know it's in your head, but if people don't know, very detailed descriptions went out about how. This man, uh, and it it just boggles the mind. Yeah. Again, suburban house, you know, the, the blonde middle class family on the hill with, you know, all the no rough edges on the corners yeah. in Colorado. And and one day he just he his wife's pregnant and he strangles her to Ugh. death. One of the kids walks in the room and sees him doing it and says, what are you doing to mommy? and if i remember this right and then he says oh she's just sick we need to take her to the hospital he puts all he puts his whole family in the car M- mom's already dead drives to his workplace i think um, he buries the mom right at some point either before or after he killed the kids and then he grabs one of the one of his daughters and smothers her to death in front of the other child and this is all from his account by the way the cuz how would we know yeah. the other child says Um, you know, sees the murder and says, please, Daddy, don't do this to me. Don't do what you did to my sister. Don't do it to me. And then he proceeds to murder that child. (sighs) And then he dumps their bodies in oil drums and then buries his... like this is not material for anyone right. to shove their head into. Right. It's not the return to your family crime. Like right. that that wasn't what happened to you. You were abandoned and scared, but you weren't like utterly uh you know Murdered. F- flesh and bone torn apart yeah. by your by you know your father uh was struggled, but he never wanted to hurt you. Right. Um and so I I I just I posed the question, let's move on, but I, I want
1: everyone to think about yeah. what
0: they're doing to their brain when they expose themselves to
1: this kind yeah. of stuff. There there's a, a third association that I made, which is that um I, I've talked about before how when I was a kid I really um I had these these three incidents, uh major ones and then probably smaller ones, where I would really fear the repercussions of uh telling my dad that I had done something wrong and then I would like stress about it for months on end, sometimes even like probably a full year, and how much it weighed on me and how much it stressed me. Uh as an example, one time it was that Um, I had gotten in trouble for what what a teacher in third grade thought was me making fun of them. And it wasn't at all. I was literally just frustrated that I didn't get a question correct. And I had to uh, sign this book and take a letter home for my dad to sign. And I was really scared and I never showed it to my dad. And I hid it under like a little piece of sheet, a sheet of paper in my desk at home. And for probably a year... That was always in my mind. I'm like, is today the day I come home and my dad has found that letter? And it was so stressful. And I hadn't even done anything wrong. I just got in trouble for something I didn't do. And yet I was so stressed. And over the years, this turned into like, I would have these recurring nightmares every now and then where it was in my nightmare. I had in my past at some point killed someone. And in the nightmare, all of a sudden I'm remembering it. I'm like, oh, shoot. That's right. I I killed someone and I wonder if I'm going to get caught. Like, did I bury the bodies properly? Did I, what if the FBI is after me? Like all of a sudden I would feel persecuted and horrified in my dream and super stressed. So I have that like thing. It hasn't luckily come back in many years now, but it was a theme. So I wonder if there's some of that too, which is these situations of these people finally confessing being like as horrible as it is, it's like. (sighs) <sighs>
0: oh. You know, a weight off my shoulders. So you also kind of identify with the murderer as someone who is caught and the relief. The, I mean, yeah. your body, the way you expressed that was a relief of confession. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Hmm.
1: So, which, by the way, sorry, which, by the way, I never got and really stressed me with the OJ trial. Right. You wanted him to confess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did in that book.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, So uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of details, you know, on individual family annihilators. Uh, You know, I I just did with Chris Watts. I wasn't actually going to go into those details, but I did to make a point. I I hope it was worth it. I don't want to make this episode some sensational detail, you know, thing. And I, I... there are plenty of other podcasts for that, I, and I don't judge them, but I, I just don't want this podcast to be like this. But I do want to talk about one other case because I think that it does illustrate. Um, and I'm going to give some other examples, uh, sort of, but just to put a fine point out, because we've been talking about fathers, but mothers do this too. 2001, Houston, Texas, Andrea Yates drowned her five children in their bathtub. So similar to Chris Watts. She, with her own hands drowned all five of her kids aged six months to seven years old um there was a big media frenzy she was found not guilty by reason of insanity she claimed that she was suffering from postpartum depression um, psychosis and schizophrenia she's still in a mental hospital today uh, 19 years later um so uh so women will do this too. Yeah, uh, it's 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 rarer for sure, but but it's 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 not just it's not just men. There's something about parents that sometimes yeah. they do this. Okay, so let's go into the research. Uh, but before we do that, let's take a break. What do you say? Let's do it. So, Burdo, if a prosecutor who was putting one of these people away in prison. Mm-hmm. Decided to address the jury and say, become right. a patron of the podcast, what would he sound like?
1: Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have heard for several weeks nonstop accounts about how this listener just decided to basically end with all podcasts of this nature by just not supporting. And I don't know about you, but in my book, that's not right. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I ask you to do what's right and vote to have this listener become a patron today. Do it. (laughs) So, research. Well, this is a hard topic
0: to research, a hard phenomenon to research, because it's, well, why do you think it's hard to
1: research, Bruno? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what are you going to ask? Like, hey... Uh, You know, percentage-wise, odds that you'll murder your family today, and then police report back every day. Right. And then after the fact, it's like, sure, can you interview the family after the fact? No, because they're dead. You can interview other members of the extended family and stuff. Um, And there's just not that common. Right.
0: Good. That's a lot of it right there. Um, It's extremely rare behavior. And whenever you have extremely rare behavior... And yet, no. And yet, the factors that are present um, almost universally don't lead to that behavior. Then, you know, like people yeah. will say, like, well, you know, a lot of these guys, and I'll get into this. You know, a lot of these guys are uh, going through relationship problems. Right. Well, a Everyone, lot of yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are going through relationship problems. So, the you know, the fact that uh, 99.99999% of people who go through relationship problems do not murder anyone, let alone their family. Um, the f- but the fact that that's a commonality among these people doesn't really help in terms of our ability to predict future behavior. Yeah. Um, so it's very rare behavior. Also, uh, you know you have to, it's usually after the fact that we find out that it was heading in that direction, and then if the perpetrator even lives, um, then we can ask them questions, and they have to be honest with us, which they might not be, right? So, and of course, the victims who were observers of this individual yeah. also often are are dead themselves. So, it's I'd hard. Say, it's hard to know anything about this phenomenon based on that.
1: I'd say, you know, like, I would venture. I would be interested. I'd venture to imagine that uh, many cases might have been preceded by some form of abuse, like abusive parenting or abuse, physical or other types of abuse. But then I also know how frequently abuse happens. So right. clearly, it's not a one-to-one.
0: <laughs> right. So, but let's look at it because there is a there is a typical profile. But first, let's sort of zoom out a little bit and t- talk about some some statistics. So, uh, Berto, what do you think? The uh, family annihilators account for what percent of homicides per year in the United States?
1: Of homicides? Yeah. Oh, uh, every hundred, less than that. 0.5 percent.
0: Close, 0.1 percent. Okay. So one out of every thousand homicides involves. That's
1: actually still a lot.
0: Yeah, well, but but, th- but yeah. this is this is actually not family annihilator. These are familicides, which is just like killing someone in your family. Okay,
1: okay, okay. Phil, um, yeah. uh, I, so, I mean that's well, actually,
0: horrible, no, but... maybe it, maybe it is for family annihilation. It, it'll become clear as we go over more of these st- stats. Um, within the category of multiple murders, so mass murders being two or more in yeah. one incident. Um, uh, let's see. Familicides, yeah. uh, family annihilation, you know, yeah. so we define family annihilation as not annihilating the whole family. It's just it's like some portion of them. two or more. Yeah. Uh, familicides or family annihilation is what percentage of multiple murders? So, you know, multiple yeah, murders, yeah. you have people who go into the McDonald's and kill a right. bunch of people.
1: Uh, that one would be higher. Um, I'll go... Okay. Actually, I was almost going to go 50 because I'm thinking, you know, if you are going to go kill a whole bunch of people, you're probably more likely to kill people that you know because they're right around you, but clearly not. Clearly, still the majority is people you don't, or at least not family. Uh, So 40, huh? Yeah. I found this was interesting because based on
0: press, I would have assumed that mass murders. Uh, the vast majority of them did not involve right. family members, you know, yeah. um, or only involved one family member right, like right. the kid in um, uh, Sandy Hook. Anyway, percentage of murders that were within the family. So not of mass murders, yeah. but single murders, multiple murders, single murders within the family. So yeah, percentage yeah. of single percentage of all murders yeah. that also includes single murders that are actually the victims are in the family. And this doesn't include suicides, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 60%. Wow, that's high. 22%. So 22% of murders, the victims were family uh, members okay. of the perpetrator. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Much better than 60%. <laughs> that's
1: good. Well, the the reason... Well, I mean... Because I, I was thinking about it like... Yeah. Mo- most... I, I, most
0: people are in conflict with their family members as opposed to yeah. a, a stranger, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But...
1: I mean, it's great. This sucks. No, no, no word fits here. It's much less horrible that it's twenty percent than than it if, if it were sixty percent. Well, I think what you're saying is you would rather get killed by
0: a stranger than by a family member.
1: <laughs> yes, it's literally what I'm saying. Uh, percentage
0: of murders of spouse. Uh, okay, so. So uh, twenty two are family members of
1: total murders. What percent are spouse? What percent or of twenty two percent? What percent are spouse of all murders? Of all murders, uh, well, if twenty two percent was some family, I'm going to go fifteen percent spouse.
0: Close nine percent. Nine percent percent murder of of child by parent. Child by parent five <laughs> percent. Uh, close six percent. Gender of victim female. So these 60%. are these are family murders. Uh, close fifty-eight percent percent uh, murders of female victims with family member perpetrator. Oh, sorry. All all uh, victims of murders of any murder sixty percent fifty-eight percent. So more women get killed than men. More women get killed than men. Yeah, many. Uh, and more men kill. Uh, but within family members, percentage female. Uh, within family members, it's fifty percent, uh, close forty three. Okay, so it's kind of interesting because you know all murders, yeah, are uh, you have fifty eight percent of females are family murder. Wait, yeah, yeah. No, I think I have this wrong. I'm going to skip that because okay. I think I'm reading it wrong. Percentage of children murdered by parents under the age of thirteen.
1: Eeks. So you know, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, um, of kids, three, of, of children who are murdered, yeah. how what percentage of them are actually younger? You know what I mean, um, younger than thirteen? Yeah, yeah. uh, three percent. No, no, no. Of all children that are murdered, of all children that are murdered. Oh, okay, okay. How what percentage of them are younger, are younger than thirteen? Then oh, then thirteen. Yeah, okay. Um, fifty percent, eighty percent. So the vast majority of you know these family it's annihilations so involve. Yeah you know, much younger children percentage of perpetrators who killed a family member who are, uh, male. So the, the perpetrators are male. male.
1: Um,
0: man. So of all the people who have killed a family member, what percentage of them are
1: male?
0: 70%. Close 80%. Uh, but you know, again, the, the, the universal profile in one's mind—it's—it's it's a dude. Yeah. But twenty percent—one out of one out of five. Yeah. One out of five of the murders of family members—the perpetrator is yeah. a woman. Uh, percentage of perps who killed. Oh no. Percentage of murders that use a firearm, in uh, with family murders versus non-family. So what
1: percentage of murders use a firearm? Um. Okay. So with family members, I'd say it's probably. Uh, 70%. And
0: with non-family?
1: It's probably s- six, uh,
0: 60%. Yeah, so that's what I would have thought, too. Not exactly those numbers, but I would have thought in a family, it would be much more likely to be a gun, but it's actually less. Okay. Um, 50% of family murders are with a gun, and 68% of non-family are with a gun. Oh, with a gun. Okay. I think it's because... When people, unfortunately, when they kill their own family members, they have a lot of other ways to do it because okay. the, because, because they live with them. To,
1: yeah, burn, yeah.
0: yeah. Whereas with people that you don't know that yeah. well, you got to do it quick. You got to, you got to, you know, jump them fast right. and guns are, you know. Um, also, I think there's something to, uh, which we'll get into later, uh, a lot of non-family murders are what we might call instrumental in terms of like that person witnessed a crime. I did. Right, I right, need to right. kill him. Whereas a family member you do for potentially emotional reasons. Yeah. And, and that's why people tend to use more visceral, you know, horrific <sighs> means um, percentage of parents who use a firearm to kill children. So when, when parents kill children, the percentage of them that use a firearm,
1: when parents kill children, uh, 50% use a firearm.
0: 28%.
1: Oh, man. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, percentage of spouses use a firearm to kill their spouse. 50. Uh, 63. Okay. Percentage of murders of children that involve one parent killing multiple victims. Percentage yeah. of murders of children yeah, yeah. that involve one parent killing multiple, multiple children. Uh, 15%. Uh, let's see, 19%, so pretty close. So a good percentage, you know. Yeah. Tw- one out of five. So out of every parent who kills a child, yeah. one out of five times, they're killing multiple, multiple, t- children. multiple children. Jeez. Um, okay, but when it comes to family annihilators, people who kill two or more people in, yeah. their, in their family, percentage that are male.
1: Family annihilators, percentage that are male. So we had 80% of perps o- when they kill
0: at least one member, but when it's multiple. 90%. So close, 95. Yikes. So a lot more male. So when men kill their family members, they're much more likely to kill multiple people. Wow. Um, What's the most common um, age, do you think? For the perp? Age range for the perp, yeah. In Uh, in the United States.
1: In their 30s. Yeah,
0: very good. You're just basing that on anecdote, right?
1: (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, well... Maybe, but I'm also thinking about, like, in their 20s, they're too busy with themselves and trying to make a thing. And then in their 30s, all of a sudden, they go through that pre—not midlife, but, like, adult crisis where they're like, wait, what the hell's happening? And then they blame their family because now they don't have the same freedom, and then they kill them. Huh. What about ethnicity? White.
0: Yeah, mostly white. It's much more prevalent among white people. in the that
1: United sucks. States. But is it just— Percentage-wise, like yeah, it's a greater greater representation of white people. So, more than the percent of whites in the country, right? Oh, okay, right. If you're white, you're more yeah. likely. Yeah, that is fascinating. Yeah, uh, not to say that non-white
0: people don't do it because they right, do. Right, right. Um, I, I will say.
1: Um, So the very typical profile is a 35-year-old white guy. Typically middle class, too. So I will say, I wonder if there's some correlation with how you know how in Colombia, other countries and things like that, uh, and maybe other cultures within this country, there's a lot closer intergenerational family alliance, meaning uh, families tend to stick closer together. There's more help from the grandparents. There's more uncles and stuff. Uh, Because I gotta tell you, man, if you're a parental unit making it alone, the stress level must be much higher right yeah it's good
0: I, I I absolutely imagine that's a factor precipitating events in one's life that is found to be fairly common among the perpetrators what do you think it is um, in one's life life events that kind uh, of thing. pregnancy uh, no loss of job yes, so financial financial problems. but particularly loss of job as a subcategory of financial problem. Okay. Um what else?
1: Um well affairs probably. Um maybe not. No. Okay. Um hmm. That's in it
0: that's in the category. Health health issues. Nope. That stands to reason but not not a Um
1: Oh man. Uh what else could could a person be going well, through? When you said
0: affair, what's the broader situation for that? Relational problems, right? So relationship, usually a breakup, a break, divorce. Yeah. Uh, Chris Watts, for example, there were reports that the uh, wife who died uh, was threatening to leave and to take leave. and take the kids. So, so is that the category relational relationship well, problems? Or? It's hard to know, but yeah, usually they say broadly relationship problems, but divorce uh, then, yeah, divorce breakup. Okay. Um, but access to kids is also another, because
1: oh, that's sort of a sort of a right. symptom of problems. But that's um, so ironic, right? Like, I can't access my kids. Fine, I'll kill them. As you pointed out with evolution,
0: there's a lot of irony yeah. to this behavior. Um, and again, financial problems. Uh, a 2018 meta-analysis found that 80% of these perps had recent relationship problems, like divorce. Also, uh, precipitating events <laughs> are... Unhappiness, domestic violence, sexual abuse in the perp's child, in you know the, the childhood of the of the perpetrator. Um, the perpetrator will often make threats of harm to self or other people, and also um, intoxication. So, being intoxicated.
1: Oh, of course.
0: Yeah, uh, alcohol is is one of the um, biggest factors when it comes to impulse control and emotional regulation problems. And like.
1: Um- uh, spousal abuse and alcoholism yeah. are very correlated, right? Murder,
0: suicide, or, all these things. Are, if we didn't have alcohol in our society, um, a lot of there'd be about half of, in my estimation, of of any of these events. Wow. Um, okay, individual factors. So, so things that um, can raise one's risk of becoming a perpetrator of family annihilation. Uh,
1: as you pointed out, abuse history of abuse. Right. That's one. Um, addiction uh not necessarily addiction but substance use substance problems okay yeah uh anger control anger anger uh like yeah inability to control yep. your anger yep um uh, i suppose if you are a psychopath <laughs> like if if you have you know the patterns that we would see in a psychopath therefore you you might be like you keep losing jobs you keep having uh problems controlling your no no yeah okay yeah, I
0: mean, um, it stands to reason. Yeah. But a lot of these family annihilators didn't have a pattern of okay. typical to That's psychopaths. Interesting.
1: Um, if you are, you know, if you were abandoned as a child, I yep. suppose, you know, because the attachment issues.
0: Absolutely. So not only attachment, but feelings of abandonment. Yeah. So, you know, it, it stands to reason for maybe not Chris Watts, but other family annihilators when we're being dumped and divorced and maybe even our kids are being, you know, taken away from us that yeah. that would trigger something real deep in in us if we have sensitivity to
1: abandonment. I wonder if uh post traumatic stress? Nope. If you were in the war or something? Or, no. Nope. Okay.
0: Others are feelings of inadequacy. So feeling like you're not good enough. Mm. Um and uh, that makes you sense. So we have the major factor of breakup, divorce, relationship problems. So that's the so that triggers someone's essentially traumas around abandonment, or okay. if you have traumas around inadequacy and not being able to provide. And oh. so if you have financial problems,
1: um, it you know digs pretty deep into people's again more irony, right? Yeah. Oh, you don't think I can provide? I'll show you how I can provide. Or, which
0: we we'll get into. I'm such a bad provider. Um, I need to protect my family from how bad of a provider I am. Right. Jeez, man. Um, other things are psychosis, which we haven't talked about yet. I mean, uh, which we'll get into later. You know, being delusional can, yeah, can result. Certainly. Narcissistic rage, um, being suicidal. One study found that 60% of perpetrators were suicidal uh, around the time. And that's one of the things that I, I I always try to emphasize when I talk about these mass, uh, these sort of sensational killers and these sort of senseless killers. You know, yeah. again, if you're in the middle of a bank robbery and a, a police officer scares you and you shoot them, it's like um, it's not good and it's, it's horrible, it, but it but
1: it's like it, it, the it logic is
0: there. The logic makes sense. Yeah. But for someone to just be like, you know what, for no reason at all, I'm going to plan a murder tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and. The thing I uh, that people walk away with, you know, these people are psychopaths or something there's something wrong with their brain. Um, I want everyone to at the very first thing they should assume that person was suffering so bad that they were suicidal Mm. and they decided to take other people with them for what for whatever reason, you know, suicide to a lot of people can seem very strange. It's like, well, how could you get that upset? You know, how could life be that bad? Um, but we all accept that for some people that happens. Yeah. Well, the, it's, not a, it's not a very, you know, grand leap to say um, for a suicidal person who's like, well, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. Yeah. Um, And to be that sort of in so much despair, it's not a big leap to say, and I think I'm going to take my family with me. You know what Especially I mean? Especially
1: if you're blaming your despair on those targets, like exactly. the Columbine people or something. Exactly. So... Um, now,
0: what they do is abhorrent and wrong and immoral and terrible. And, yeah. you know, if I had any advice to these people, it's just like, well, don't kill yourself. But if you do, don't take other people with you. Right. Like, that's not right. Um, so, uh, but I, I want people to understand that these are often suicidal issues that are, that are blossoming into much worse issues. Yeah. Um, depression, 68% mm. upon post-analysis would have a history of depressive symptoms. It's not really saying much as a lot of people have a history of depressive symptoms, but it is something to say. Um, The original uh, emailer asked about personality disorders. One study found that 38% again, post analysis had borderline personality traits. um, Meaning that for some of the people who end up killing, um, you know, which we'll get into the typology later, the people who are vengeful, you know, I'm being abandoned and, I'm angry about it and um, you're not listening to me. And they have a pattern of uh, ramping up their attachment signaling to other people like I, I need you to not leave me. Yeah. And then to for that to escalate to a point for a very, very, very small percentage of people with borderline who actually take it to a murder level. Um, uh, so there's that. But, you know, other studies found no association between borderline and Uh, family annihilation. Um, Other studies found connections between narcissistic personality or even dependent personality. What I'll say is that, um, and I'll get more into later in terms of what I think the personality disorders that, or the personality traits that are involved. I I don't think any one personality disorder is actually associated with this. Certainly we could say narcissism, borderline and um, psychopathy or antisocial would be more likely But I I don't think it's, like, a feature of those personality disorders, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely see—it seems a a lot of those interrogation videos that I watched, um, obviously not everyone was the same at all. But uh, there were a few that were kind of like the Watts case, where it's, like, this sort of, like, lack of connection. It feels like they had almost no connection to the victim's. If you were an outside observer and just walked in casually to the to the interrogation, you would think they're just like a witness, like a side witness or something. They just felt like they had no emotion about it whatsoever, right. and then all of a sudden they would cry. You know, like in the Watts case, his dad arrives, and all of a sudden he's he's crying, but like it really seemed like a functional reaction rather than like him, yeah. you know, feeling it.
0: Yeah, I caution people uh, in terms of evaluating uh, personality based on those videos because it's such a um, specific uh, context the person is uh, being you know interrogated or potentially even mildly accused of of murder Um, even people who have a who have empathy have self-preservation so um, it's hard to know. It certainly is data. It's not like it's yeah, not data, but it, but it. But yeah. I find that people will look at stuff like that. Oh, clearly a psychopath, and I'm like, well, we don't really know. I mean, a similar thing happened to Amanda Knox. You know, when yeah. people looked at her behavior right after the murders, it's because her, uh, if she's innocent, then her roommate was brutally murdered, and she and she I think even discovered the murder. I'm not sure, but and then right afterwards, she's hugging and kissing her boyfriend. Um, and they seem very lovey and people are filming that Um, and we point to that and go like oh clearly something's wrong with her and it's just like well it's hard you know we react to a lot of things in a lot of different ways and we have phases of reaction you know like we might kind of just be in a state of shock in one moment I'm not saying Chris Watts isn't a psychopath I'm just saying it's it's hard to draw a
1: lot of conclusions from that. There's something about it like maybe they're good presenters or a good actor or something because you know like I, I work with a lot of different types of personalities, and uh, in my industry, uh, a lot of the personalities I, I work with, because stuffing envelopes is its own kind of thing, um, they are not the kind of person you can put in front of a mic and have them freely present to a crowd. You know, they they won't really know what to say they'll be unsure of themselves and why would an- envelope stuffers have to present to a crowd because you're the new uh, gener- you know like we have every year we come out with new models of envelopes and new features for the stuffing ah. so like you have to present it to the press and the every you know have you heard of CES yeah there's something like it for envelopes so we present there every year uh, okay. anyways but the bottom line is uh, these are not the people that you would put, and it's just uh, like a certain personality style. If you put me in front of a mic and you tell tell me, hey, talk to these people about the new envelope line coming, I'll just improvise all day long, right? So I could imagine if one of these folk, one well, of these personality types, committed some horrible murder, it would not be easy for them to stand in front of a press briefing and say, oh, I am, you know, like do this whole presentation about how concerned they are. And, and that they they would be standing there with... Uh, A cop and a neighbor and them being like, yeah, who knows what happened? Oh, so weird, you know? So, clearly, there must be something already, and again, I'm not saying psychopathy, it's just something about their personality type that lets them appear somewhat calm under this ridiculous, like, burden of pressure. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. And you give an example of public speaking. Well, literally everyone has done public speaking uh, or 99% of humans by a certain age have you know uh, had that experience if not multiple times in one's life Um, how many people experience the uh, interrogation after murdering your family you know how do we know what's normal in that situation and for us to look at it how can we even relate to that, you know, in terms of yeah. how how would I feel? It's just like, well, it's ridiculous. I would never even be there in the first place. It's just so bizarre, you know. Yeah. Um, we could certainly imagine there t- to be quite a lot of preoccupation in one's mind, but maybe not. So anyway, I just caution people yeah. to draw conclusions based on police videos. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's data. It's not like it's not yeah. data, but it's it's hard to know. You know, I think Chris Watts was a particular... Um, given all the data that we have, I think you can draw some conclusions that are consistent with what you're saying. But anyway,
1: and um, I don't know what I'm saying is what I'm saying. But I'm saying there's something to the idea that, well, like prima facie, like he, he clearly there's something clearly different in his head happening in that he murdered his family. That's Obviously, something because day to day. If you draw the the bell curve, most people are not murdering their family. So something's happening in his brain that's a little different from the norm. But then once that happens, there's something that he is able to do where he for some amount of time and not he's not the best at it because clearly there's way better people at it. But for some amount of time, he's able to just kind of like act. I won't even call it nonchalant, just act neutral about it. Yeah, and it, maybe right. it's not an act. Maybe he feel he literally feels neutral about it. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But uh,
0: we do have data on various different police interrogations of people who had murdered their family, and you do see some differences. For yeah. for some people, they do seem cool as a cucumber. Um, for other people, uh, and there's overlaps in this, they do seem like dumbasses when it comes to like trying to cover it up. Yeah. Uh, for other people. They seem really quite emotional about it, like like they've made a mistake.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and so uh, yeah, you do you don't see just one presentation, and like, that probably has something to do with personality. It's hard to know though.
1: Clearly, Watts is not the same person as it, as Ted Bundy. When you see Ted Bundy, he is he's like, of course, he's nonchalant about the stuff, but it's in a different way, and like. He's charming. He's affable. He's getting you on his side. He's doing all these things. He's not not talking. He's, you know? Yeah. and uh, Right. For Ted Bundy, he had a personality
0: of, that was organized around defenses of gaining control over other people through yeah. social ability. Yeah. Uh, Chris Watts did, didn't have that. Yeah. Um, and so that's a difference in personality. Uh, I think Chris Watts... Um, Defense in the moment after the murders was, if I was to speculate based on the little information I have, was that he lacked judgment so severely he hadn't thought about it, I don't think. Also, I think he thought he could get away with it if he just kind of um, holds the line in terms of, well, I'll just... You know, I have a story in my head and yeah. I'll just, I, you know, because in his head story. he was hoping that it would be attributed to some random killer. Yeah. Right. He he knew that the bodies were going to be found yeah. and he was hoping that it would be attributed to like a coworker of his or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, you know, I think <laughs> ironically or I don't know, his strategy was to play dumb yeah. and uh, boy, was he good at it. Yeah. So, uh, also, other personality differences, um, a minority of the people who will family annihilate have been sexually, or no, have sexually abused at least one of the children themselves. Really? Like, on t- if it weren't bad enough, like... Right. Uh, so, it's a part of a pattern, and possibly to, you know, silence the victim, kind mm. of a thing. Also, uh, access to a firearm is a factor, and also lack of judgment, like with Chris Watts. Um, you know... Uh, You bring up uh, Ted Bundy. He exhibited – he didn't – he lacked judgment throughout. Like people point, like, oh, Ted Bundy, got away with all stuff. but That was luck. (laughs) But, yeah, it was because law enforcement was so bad in the 70s. Uh, You study that case. I mean, he – Ted, some of his very first murders, he goes to Lake Sammamish, a lake I would go to as a kid um, and might have even been there the day that he killed a couple people. He drove up in his car, without a disguise, in broad daylight, and introduced himself as Ted right. to people. And there were and Lake Sammamish is it's a state park. It's 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 filled with humans. There's yeah. there's thousands of people. Walks up to a woman and says, "Hey, could you help me? You know, because I have this cast on my arm, which was fake. Could you help me put some stuff into my car?" Gets the girl in the car, goes off, kills her. Lots of witnesses are like, well, where, where was the last time you saw her? Well, we saw her talking to this guy named Ted. Ted dro- with a
1: white VW.
0: Well, a tan, tan v- VW. Driving a tan VW. Well, in today's uh, world, he would have been caught within an hour. The internet would be like, you know, Facebook alone, you could yeah. figure out who that person was. Right, right. Um, and or you would go on Facebook and and find like the, 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 the witnesses would be like, oh, that's the guy. Yeah. Or Google would be like, well, this guy's phone, you know, is connected to a V-Dub, you know, or whatever, you know, there'd be, it'd be, so, but even on the 70s, (laughs) like, uh, efforts, this, it was just a
1: complete. He was still reckless, even by 70s. Yeah,
0: but people look at him like, oh, he's a genius, and people think of these people, and the the one thing I really want to, I'm always driving home is. 99% of psychopaths are not the sharpest tacks in the box. They're not the brightest bulb in the cupboard. You know, these people are not... The, the Hannibal Lectors, you know, yeah. they almost always lack judgment. Why would they murder in the first place? Right. It's not even so that's <laughs> it's the other not thing to their advantage. <laughs> smart psychopaths <laughs> right. don't murder. Why? Because it doesn't pay. Right. It, there are so many other ways to get you what you want. For right. Chris Watts, who clearly doesn't have empathy for other human beings, I mean, he, he right. just, he, that he, there's just no way he could do that, you yeah. know, if he'd had the normal empathy for other people. Um, the smart action would just be to divorce and move yeah, on, exactly like normal people do. Like yeah. what he wanted was he wanted to get rid of his family. He didn't want to have to deal with them anymore. And run away to Mexico.
1: Yeah, but, but don't even
0: divorce. Just run away to Mexico. Yeah, there's so Leave many them other. Alone. There's so many options. Change your name. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so uh, or just make threats. You know, I, I'll kill you if you. You know,
1: like there's there's so many lesser. Oh my gosh, someone should start a foundation. Maybe I will someday. That basically offers. No questions asked, plane tickets to like some other country. If you're feeling like you need to abandon your family, please don't kill them. Just come here. Like no questions asked. Just go passports and tickets. Go. You you know that
0: you joke, but it's similar to those bins that they have for babies.
1: Oh, right. Like abandon your
0: baby. Like certain uh, communities, like a fire station or a hospital will have this uh, drop off for babies.
1: No questions asked. Right, because um, the, the when you weigh these horrors, yeah, that's the much much lesser evil, much lesser, like ridiculous, infin- infinitely lesser. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, it's fine. It's like you want to uh, yeah, give your kid up for exactly. adoption. Let's help Let's you do it. Do, yeah. So, um, anyways, but, but the the thing with you're right because like the thing with um, some some people like uh, like a Bundy or something, it's uh, in spite of his incredible charm. Uh, and charisma, or blah 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 blah. He's constantly getting in his own way, right? And so it's not it's not about like the genius level intellect. It's really more about this compulsion they can't stop, right? And they they you know, <laughs> it's a compulsion yeah. they can't stop. Yeah, that's important.
0: Yeah. And they're not they they typically aren't very smart. And because if they were smarter, in all likelihood, they would figure out a way to sublimate their urge in a way that doesn't get them in trouble yeah in a way that doesn't involve murder right maybe it's reading a lot of books that involve murder or fantasizing or um i don't know or Or having role play
1: with with a a consenting adult you know have the the fine chianti have the fava beans have the liver just have the liver from another kind of animal and get a um a cpr dummy and you know what, yeah. And it puts the skin in the basket. <laughs> What's funny is like, it's the only thing, it's really funny, but it's, it's an interesting thing that in our world, animal murder of certain types of animals is completely legal. You know, you can just go get your hunting license. You can go shoot all, all you want. You can go skin them. You can like bask in the guts all you want. You could eat all of it raw if you want. Just don't do it to humans. Yeah, that's a start it is
0: kind of odd it's like if if someone kills someone's pet yeah you know um, or even a a feral cat or yeah. a feral dog um, that's somehow seen differently by the law and by society but anyway yeah so what factors in our society so large societal variables lead to an increase in family annihilation among its population
1: uh, what I was talking about some of them I think um, the isolation of, of family units. Okay. In other words, hard like, to measure that, but so we'll, we'll say oh, that. Something that, that you could measure. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Like uh, two variables that are actually, sure. you can
1: find in large sure. data sets. So divorce rates might be one of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe. No. Okay. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, economic, the economic factors of, exactly. the, of the country. Yeah. That's the only thing. Okay. As the economy worsens. And again, it's
0: hard to know because the N is so small. Yeah. But there is a bump in I see. actually just general. So like signs. if unemployment
1: goes up, we might
0: have more of these. Right. Okay. But again, it's really rare. But yeah. What percentage of family annihilators kill themselves after?
1: Oh, okay. Oh, see, I would have said originally a really, really high percentage. I'm going to go 60%. Close, 50. Okay. Which isn't the stereotype, right?
0: at least in my mind, because right. I would say most do kill themselves, yeah. but
1: have to. It seems like not.
0: Yeah. And when we get into the reasons why people do it, it'll be more clear. The other thing is, is this also doesn't include people who do suicide by cop.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, because okay. a lot of people will do
1: suicide yeah, yeah. By, by police like officers. The, they know the authorities are on their way, and that's part of the plan. So that's
0: actually a rabbit hole that I go down. I watch okay. a lot of badge cam videos. Oh, interesting. And uh, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, and some Pretty not so great ones, you know. They'll blur it out for yeah. YouTube, but it's you still get the gist of the terribleness. And people who like break down and analyze, you know, were pe- you
1: arrested as a child, and <laughs> so you want to relive that?
0: <laughs> I don't know, you know. It's yeah, why, why? Well, it's to answer my own question, it's like why would I want to watch that? I think part of it is I like to see justice because it makes me feel safer. Yeah, I like to see because the the sort of videos that uh, tend to be published. Are the ones yeah, where <laughs> the good guys win, you know?
1: It's like Law and Order,
0: <laughs> right? Um, and I think it is. I think it is something to do with having an emotion, you know. Like even uh, if it's not necessarily a happiness, joy, yeah. elated emotion, you know. When I watch movies and I'm going to cry the whole time, that's not a that's not a positive feeling. Per, I'm sad right. f- for someone, um, and yet I you want the emotion. That's a very enjoyable quote-unquote thing which so is probably
1: I, why we didn't like the lighthouse
0: yeah <laughs> well i was crying on the inside <laughs> as i was just like why am i watching this thing
1: um i continue to hear reviews about how wonderful it's wonderful that, how life-changing it is yeah. yeah i'm just like okay oh speaking of which i had an okay zoomer moment today uh-huh. Have you heard of OK Zoomer? No. So you've heard of OK Boomer.
0: Yeah, which I find to be incredibly ageist, by the way. Right. I actually have been going, just a side note, I've been going back and forth with people on Reddit because when I, I get triggered every time uh-huh. someone on Reddit like says that says OK Boomer, I'm like, because so someone posted this video of this younger woman, she's probably 20 years old, and this older woman who looked like she was probably, I don't know, 80 years old and uh-huh. didn't seem very uh, not confused, um, was angry that she took this younger woman took took her uh, parking space and was blocking her in mm-hmm. and they were going back and forth. And the post was, um, you know, entitled boomer, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. And I was like, um, what does this have to do with her being a boomer? Yeah. Um, she's obviously doing something terrible, but, um, and they're like, well, you know, boomers are entitled and they feel like they can do whatever they want. And, you know, have you ever worked in retail? Like the worst customers are boomers. And I'm like, is that true? Like, I I don't know. And I'm like to me. And I said, every boomer I know would (laughs) never do anything like this. Um, I don't know anyone who would do it, let alone, let alone people like my parents and and their age. And I, and I asked like, do you actually know any boomers? And so (laughs) I feel like the internet is just like, Uh, it's this because of this meme, it's this excuse to make fun of a certain section of our population that doesn't even make any sense.
1: So it seems like boomers might be fighting back or someone is because someone made up OK Zoomer, which is OK Generation Z. -er. Which is not
0: a good idea because (laughs) it's just another form of ageism. It's just like if you're going to attack black people and then black people say, okay, you know, white people are stupid. It's like, no, any any assumption based on age is not scientifically uh, sound. Right,
1: right, right. Idiots can be of any age. It's not even age either. It's the the time you were born. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like the years you were born. Um, so, but but I was I was uh, talking to someone. I made a joke at work. We were stuffing some envelopes, and I'm like, um, "Hey, uh, maybe maybe you could we could figure out a way to make a better uh, Rise of Skywalker." And this person who is younger than me says. Uh, oh I loved were it. you trying to think outside the envelope I was trying to think outside the envelope very good yes that's, that's our catchphrase actually think outside the envelope um, thank you for giving us our catchphrase I was sitting there and then they, they go I actually loved the movie and I go oh oh really it's like, did you punch him in the face it, it, it's a her did you give, you give her a paper cut did you like uh, I would have yeah I should have actually given her but I, I'm like oh well and, and and she was like well what's your main problem with it I'm like well the, you know the emperor shouldn't have come back. You know I said that, and and, and she and she says, well yeah, I mean I don't like the original mo- movies anyways. So, and I was like, wait, what? You don't like the original? I was in like four, five, six. Yeah, like no. none of those are good. One, two, three, four, five, six. They're all bad. I'm like, oh my god. How old is she? Uh probably mid to late twenties. Yeah,
0: which I get again because, yeah. you know, there are certain <laughs> movies. Uh, of old, yeah, that came out and were loved before my time. Yeah, when I watched them, and I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah, you like um, African Queen, I think the one oh, with yeah, yeah, Catherine Hepburn and um, Humphrey Bogart. Right, that is a beloved movie. And when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, right, okay, I guess so. Or Citizen Kane, for that matter. Sure. So you know, I could absolutely imagine younger people, yeah. or anyone or not of our generation watching four, five, and six, going yeah. like. I don't understand the obsession. And
1: grouping them with one, two, three. Right, <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like, it's all... Anything before seven is garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Zoomer, you said what? No, I was saying it was an example of an okay Zoomer. I was being ageist, sorry. So you said okay Zoomer <laughs> to her? Uh, I don't know if I said that to her. I'm just... What does Zoomer mean? Said, is, is that... Like, his Generation Z, but I don't think she's Generation Z anyway. She'd be a millennial. Yeah. Yeah. So, I apologize. I shouldn't be ageist. So... Different types of uh,
0: family annihilators. Uh, this, these are my terms. Some of them are borrowed from other people because a lot of people came out with different typologies, and so I kind of blended them all together in a compilation here. So, and understand that some of these family annihilators would probably be categorized in multiple categories. So it's not like people, you know, this person's definitely in this category, or all of them are definitely in one category. Anyway, so. Um, Do you have any categories that you can spew first before we go into mine?
1: For the different kinds of family annihilators? Yeah. Um, Sure, you know, but I mean, I'll I'll just do three. I think there is the, I'm done with life, and for whatever reason, I'm taking all of what my life means with me so full on suicide like intergenerational okay the good. end of the darwinian road
0: so i'll we'll do go piece by piece here so okay. i called those people demoralized killers okay so they are deeply disappointed in themselves and also how their family turned out um, it's not really th- the ideal that they wanted it to turn out and 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 it's very much connected to their own self-esteem mm-hmm. so so they're not only suicidal, but they're also they also kind of not they're not angry at their family per se, but they really feel like uh, they, their their identity is a, a lot of these killers. By the way, their identity is extended into their family much greater than other people would be. I see um, where uh, they either own their family, or uh, if if their life sucks, then. Surely their family sucks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no separation of just like, well, my life sucks, but, you know, I don't want to drag the rest of my family down because they don't have to suffer like I do and they're not suffering the way I do. Um, but for the family annihilators, there's this blurring of the boundaries in terms of identity, which has to do with this childhood mistreatment. But so the demoralized killer is one of those persons very. So, for example, um, I have a lot of uh, examples from the UK because there was this one study from the UK. UK, a man, 49 years old, worry, he was worried about his family having an affair, so that's kind of a common theme. His son was dying of cancer, uh, his, like, teenage son. He uh, he had moved away from his family and his support system to be with, you know, oh, his man. his um, wife and, and kids. His wife was doing much better in life
1: mm-hmm.
0: as well. His children were adapting to the local culture and rejecting his... Yeah. Um, his traditional conservative religious ideals. And he felt very ashamed about that, that he was sort of losing his family. He felt very out of control. He felt like a failure. He felt like his wife was more successful in even having sex with another man and um, was in a very bad place himself. Yeah, He killed his wife, his four daughters, his son died of natural causes of cancer soon after. Um, and he also, uh, he also died in a house fire wow um so he um he lit us he lit the house on fire and then Ugh. the evidence shows he just he just died by yeah. smoke inhalation um so that's that category of person and for for these people, they are in a very bad negative headspace mm-hmm. they are suicidal, as we've been saying, and they also i think have at least a unstated hostility towards their family, you know, Mm. like, like um, maybe even jealousy of the fact that they're doing better than him, uh, than them. Uh, So, so that's that category. It's a little bit different than what you're talking about, but that's close enough. What's another type that you think?
1: My second category is the golden goose category. So this is the type that, you know, the story of the goose where like it lays golden eggs and then the person gets greedy and they're like. Oh, I bet you if I cut into the goose, I'll have all the golden eggs and the goose dies and no more golden eggs, right? So the, the analogy here is this person wants something different, like a new relationship or they, they just don't want to have to deal with the kids. And their way of dealing with it is to kill the goose. Right. It's this convenience, like, but obviously they're not going to get what they want solution. Right.
0: Right so I this is like Chris Watts Chris Watts so I call this the convenience killer yeah so it's it's con, it seems convenient to them why wait for the goose to lay eggs slowly over the years right um, now for these people they're not sadistic I don't think Chris Watts was sadistic uh, because he didn't show evidence of that mm-hmm. prior to that at least from the yeah. little I read but massively attachment disordered meaning you know yeah. meaning a just a huge detachment from other yeah. people. And and exhibiting psychopathy. So there's there's many different road or many different types or, I don't know, flavors or types of disorders personality-wise that one could have that could that could lead to someone not having emotion about hurting another human being. Yeah. We typically attribute it to psychopathy, but it can be a part of other personality traits. And I I don't really know if Chris Watts was a psychopath. He clearly lacked empathy for other human beings. I mean at least he showed a lot of yeah. evidence of that. And I think that was uh, born out of his own attachment disorder. I, I don't, um, not in the DSM sense of attachment disorder, but in the general sense. And I tried to Google his childhood history. I didn't find anything. Maybe something will come out eventually. But I, from all accounts, he had a wonderful childhood, but I suspect that it wasn't, at least in terms of, not necessarily abuse, but something went wrong in terms of the yeah. attunement to him so that he could develop a, a sense of connection with other people. And, so he's not – he doesn't take pleasure in killing other people, but he certainly doesn't mind killing other people in the same way that uh, most people don't mind, say, like they're going through a divorce and they're like, you know what, I'm going to sock away $10,000. Like that's a dick move, but most people will do it because they, it, yeah. it, it, they're upset and they're just like, well, I'm going to sock away this $10,000 right. and when the time comes to separate the, uh, you know, the assets – I won't report that right, ten grand. Right, right. You know, it's a dick move. It lacks empathy. It's, right. it's it's lying. But a lot of people, you know, or they'll fudge the numbers a little bit to kind of get a better deal in the divorce. Um, so you wouldn't call that sadistic. You would right. just call that you know, like you're just it's convenient to do yeah. that. It's it you win if, but it's not it's not horrible. But you win. Well, for the convenience killer, I think that uh, for whatever reason. Killing their family feels the same as like socking away ten
1: grand. Yeah, and so um, and in, and in their heads, the math has ca- come out somehow to killing their family is easier than the alternative paths. Right
0: to right, what they want. Right. They have a, They have two paths. ahead. They They're like, well, one path is a normal path. I, I go through a divorce. But he I, wants
1: the hassle. I and, share
0: custody with and the then kids. And the
1: embarrassment of like we're getting a divorce. What will the neighbors say? Yeah. said, I'll just kill. Him. And get a lot of sympathy. Right. Because
0: you know, you went on TV. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Uh uh and also I won't have to pay any money and I can go right into the sunset with this new woman and I won't be bogged down by these other kids and you know which is actually a common
1: scenario for people. They're often can like Can you oh my gosh. Can you just imagine for a second, twenty years later in your life, you're sitting there in Guadalajara enjoying a martini or whatever you enjoy in Guadalajara and you're like I remember when I had a family and I killed them like that's so incongruous like it's yeah
0: well never underestimate the ability of the human mind to justify and twist reality yeah yeah. what's another category
1: my third category is psychosis like just they what they see is not what they get they literally started the dog started telling them that the child was demon-possessed Something really went wrong in their wiring, and so the killings were, on their reality, totally necessary because of some reasons that no one else can see.
0: Good. Yeah. I call them the psychotic killer. These people, again, not sadistic. They're not, they don't take pleasure in harming yeah. other people, but they have a temporary break from reality. And they're psychotic, they're delusional, and they have command hallucinations like the dog telling them that they should kill yeah. people. And so uh, that's real. It happens, oh, it's, it's, it's a rare thing for psychosis. Yeah. And the vast majority of people who suffer from psychosis never have those kinds of command hallucinations, or even if they do, they don't follow them. But um, for some, it absolutely can be the reason why it happened, and and so we need to recognize that. What's another category?
1: Well, I was only going to have three, but then I I realized I need a bonus category, because you were hinting at it the whole time here, is, fine, I'm just going to go the sadist. Okay. This person literally is sadistic, viciously sadistic, so one day, they're like, you know what? You know who I can be super sadistic with? My family. Yeah, it's not really a, a category found in the research. But God damn it, they're, they're <laughs> I thought you were gonna because you kept saying they're not sadistic. They're not sadistic. Well, I'm like, well, there must be the sadistic ones then. There <laughs> is, but you're not describing
0: it uh, okay <laughs> uh, accurately. It, what I it, but when once I say this category, it'll make total sense sure. to you, and, and you've heard of other people like this. Is what I'm calling the vengeful killer? Okay, sure. Yeah. So I these pe- so so these people yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're getting at. These people aren't um, sadistic mm. like Ted Bundy, but they definitely. Want, want to get back yeah they want to harm they take pleasure yeah. in in getting back these are the people who will exhibit that makes a, sense a pattern of control and anger and intimidation prior yeah. to the actual killing. and it
1: really is a different category that's interesting yeah yeah
0: um and they tend to be narcissistic uh yeah. borderline potentially they're very attachment insecure uh, meaning that any hint like Wife gets a text from someone. Who was that? You know, or or am I being cheated on? Um, And they have to be at least slightly psychopathic, um, but Mm. not, but not entirely. You know, and so they kill their families as a way of exerting control, typically over the spouse. So killing the kids is usually motivated side thing by, um, yeah. It's just like I know my spouse would be upset, and sometimes they'll just kill the kids and say you made me do this yeah. Um, and they'll leave the spouse alive. This is your fault. Right. Um, Again, (sighs) their identity spreads into their family, you know, because it's one thing to be like upset and insecure and be like, well, fuck these people, I'm going to leave. It's another thing to be like my whole sense of who I am is defined by how my family is and how they see me and how we are together. You yeah. know, most of us have that. You know, in a good way, uh, but if that's your only sense of identity and you can't pull away and say, like, "Well, everything's going wrong over there," yeah. But I know I'm a good person, and you know, uh, I can survive this yeah. without yeah. her or him or something.
1: You know, there's there's this very childish uh, tactic that you know, like you watch a little child, maybe like a three year old or something, and um, you, you let's say there's some limit imposed on them like you know you you've watched enough television right and they'll they'll try to do something like fine i'll never watch television again then and they think that they think that this is somehow going to influence the adult it's like <laughs> oh okay well never mind please keep watching but that what they don't realize is, well, first of all, that'd be great. Like, you actually be a better off person if you don't watch TV. Uh, you're only hurting yourself, really. Like, you want to watch TV. Now you're saying you're never going to watch TV again. But in their little mind, it must be a way to, like, feel like they're in control of something because they get to say that they'll never watch TV again.
0: Right. Well, it's a, depending on sort of the calculus in their mind, it's a it's a vengeful act. They're, yeah. they're hurt and they're angry yeah. and they feel out of control and they feel like, the only way to get and they want to get back yeah
1: so it's a normal impulse that yeah. we all have but and now you have an adult who's got his own or her own children yeah and their way to get back is like fine i'll just kill the children to right. show you
0: and i like your parallel with with childishness because because all of these killers in my uh estimation based on the profiles is a arrested development mm-hmm. um, you know that's why it's so hard for us to relate yeah. Yeah. how could you possibly do that but it's not hard for us to imagine if, say, a three-year-old suddenly was married with children, yeah. Yeah. for them to have an impulse control.
1: Yeah, like them to grab a pencil and try to stab their sister or her brother or uncle with the pencil. Right. We're like, oh, stop doing that. But you, you realize, oh, they're not a psychopath. They're a two-year-old. Right. They're upset. <laughs> right. Uh, for, a, for a three-year-old to uh, take a,
0: a toy, like a truck... And smash it just because it it looks like it might be funny, right? Or they're really angry, right? at their At their younger sister, right? And most of us understand that's not good, but it's it's not anything to to right. take them to psychiatry for.
1: For a three year old to come home from preschool and see that their grandma has finished the little pseudo Lego construction house and be so upset to smash all the pieces with their feet, basically ruining the set. Clearly is a sign that I'm a psychopath. <laughs> right. So when we look at children do that yeah. because
0: they lack power and they, we don't tend to give them guns, then they, it looks quaint or normal. But when, but with the power and the yeah. the availability of violence that an adult has, um, we it's much more uh, sort of strange to us. And we can imagine someone who wasn't able to develop correctly and had certain arrested development aspects of certain regressive aspects of their personality um, when they get backed into a corner and they, you know, they have all this abandonment issue and inadequacy issues. And they're just like, I'm going to eliminate what I believe to be the source of this problem. And I'm not going to use my mature mind. I'm not going to regulate my emotions. I don't know how. Yeah. Um I don't know even no I don't have anyone to talk to. Um I'm just going to stamp the shit out of yeah. what I feel to be the source of my problems. Right. And and then I will feel relief. You know what I mean? It's right. it's 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 a very immature I, all these types besides psych psychosis which is a whole other category yeah. really. Um, I think that's a major component of
1: it. So if I understand what you're saying correctly, you think if we gave children guns of their own, then that would help. Right. I mean, it's all about responsible gun ownership. Yes.
0: Um, so for the vengeful killer, their self-worth derives from their ability to control those around them because um, and their sense of safety uh, depends on them. So these, these people, their typical domestic violence uh, perpetrators, yeah. intimate partner violence. Um, they tend to stalk people more often. They're very intimidating. They control. They have to feel jealous. Um, they're really triggered by humiliation and, and lack of control. Um, usually, the spouse will start to leave. You know, they'll just be like, "I don't like this anymore." Yeah. And the spouse, and then they get angry at the spouse for the breakup. And usually, there's a restriction of children, which. Um, you know, even though these people might seem like monsters, they have attachment needs, and even if they're psych- psychopathic, they have attachment needs, and they're attached to those kids, even if they're not very good parents, right. even if they're really immature. So, and that's one of the things people have a hard time understanding. And the way they frame these killers often is, from this point of view, there's narrative that these people are basically like devils or something. Mm. They're human beings like any other. They want their kids just like any other. The evidence might show and accounts might show that they're not very good as parents. Mm. But there's a lot of people who aren't very good as parents and still love their kids. Do you know what I mean? Um, So there's a primal, normal desperation of, like, I want to have my children around. At the very least, to just have, like, validation that they're a good person. You know what I mean? And so when the spouse – because this person tends to be violent and make threats and whatnot – uh, courts tend to listen to a more mm-hmm. society tends to listen to the other spouse more and now you have and i'm not saying that's wrong it's probably Damn. a good thing the kids are being ripped away from this person and then they're just like well um i am going to punish you ex-spouse uh or the person doesn't want their former spouse to have sex with other people which can be a, a big threat to someone who has a, i mean it's a big threat to most people, sure. but to people who have, you know, issues with this kind of abandonment and, and betrayal, they will will they'll try to control it because the, the feelings are so bad. I and see. one of the ways you can stop your former spouse from having sex with anyone else is to kill them. Um, and so that, that will emerge in their mind. Um, they're often narcissistic and they feel entitled. Again, these are the sadistic ones, but they're not like truly sadistic. They don't I have see. sadistic personality yeah. disorder, but there's a pleasure. And it's the only category in here where it's just like yes I want to make them suffer yeah particularly my ex-spouse that is my that is my goal is to make the person you know because the the convenient killer <laughs> for Chris Watts I don't think he from the profile it didn't seem like he was more the convenient killer he yeah didn't, I don't think he wanted anyone to suffer he they were just in his way yeah he was on a life path and he was like oh these people are in my way we'll just eliminate them for the people who are demoralized Um, as the killer Uh, they are so depressed and just so down they don't take pleasure in eliminating their family but they just feel like well um, I might as well put them out of their misery too kind of a thing
1: like projecting almost like if I'm this miserable I'm sure everyone's miserable
0: right so uh, an example of these kinds of people um, a man thought his wife was cheating on him, so he killed their daughter and told the mother that she was to blame. In um, oh. uh, 2018, Coast Guard, male, 44, fought with his wife, used his gun to kill her, and then used the gun to kill the seven-year-old son, and then used the gun to kill the eight-year-old daughter, and then killed himself. Oh. Um, and, and it was like... An, uh, in, you know, a string of fights between the parents, yeah. and one big fight happened, and then that happened. You could say O.J. Simpson, if we believe yeah. he, he actually, did. I
1: was going to bring that up earlier.
0: Right. Even though he didn't kill children, yeah. um, it's not a stretch to imagine that if the kids were around, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I... The other categories here, and I've sort of mentioned it. It's a it's it's a shade off of the demoralized killer, but it's what I'm calling the pseudo altruistic killer. Actually, I think that might be a term from another researcher. But so again, these are non sadistic. They're not just like they're not out to harm. They don't take pleasure in that. But they actually believe they kill the family to quote unquote save them. Hmm. So they feel like they're a failure. They usually have financial or status failure. And their, their whole life, they've been focused on sort of having the perfect family, having the house on the hill and being rich. Um, they're often suicidal. They usually kill themselves. Um, and they kill their family to save them from their own failure in life, which, again, doesn't make any sense. For example, a man, millionaire, successful, but some downturn in his in his financial situation he's, he's he's losing his money he was about to lose his house this this nice yeah. big you know humongous house in a nice neighborhood so uh he obviously fell into some kind of despair of suicide and had you know his his personality was such that he, he was he believed that well i need to take my family with me mm. because of my problems yeah he killed his daughter he killed his wife and then he doused the house in gasoline, started a blaze, and then uh, they found him lying next to his wife holding her, and he died from smoke inhalation. So, this yeah. is a person that sounds like he was angry at his wife, right? Yeah. So, it's sort of it, this is actually a pretty big uh, uh, rate of the people who family annihilate uh, is this pseudo altruistic group yeah. of people where I'm saying pseudo because it they feel like it's altruistic, but yeah, it's right, okay. Okay. obviously isn't it? um, and again this is very mature right it's like it's like the kid who you say look kid if you if you don't <laughs> if you if you if you, uh, if you don't stop having a meltdown we all have to go home and not watch the movie right and the kid's like well fuck you like yeah i don't care yeah. you know we're all none of us are going yeah, to, no, the, movie to the movie cuz i'm upset you know yeah. what I mean? Well, again, we look at the three-year-old and we're like, well, you know, it's three-year-olds. It's not the best situation. Yeah. We're going to try to teach that out of that kid. But, you know, sometimes kids, they yeah. have meltdowns and they're in, a, they're in an emotional state where they don't seem to have capacity to care about other human beings. Right. Um, ex- extend that personality trait into adulthood and you can imagine it manifesting <sighs> right. in and like, well, if, if, if my life sucks, you know, I, I might as well bring everyone down with me. And I, yeah. and I think this is actually a cause for the mass murders, too, like the Las Vegas shooting and, and other kinds of sure. mass murder suicides. It's like, my life sucks. The world sucks. I'm going to bring them with me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're all going down, sort of a thing.
1: If I'm going down, we're all going down.
0: And the last category is the paranoid killer this is people who kill their families to protect them from an outside
1: threat. Okay, so like they built a bunker. They think the end of the world is coming and then oh it's like that movie. Um what was the the one JJ J. Abrams one the the one that was sort of a sequel but not really to um okay. So uh, uh John Goodman Oh yeah. He's got the girls convinced that oh, he's Cloverfield. Got a, Cloverfield, yeah. 10 lane or 10, yeah. 10, ten Cloverfield. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: right. So it doesn't kill him. But so there's that, that, but there's also like Josh Powell, like the guy in Washington state who, um, if people don't know, I've done full episodes on this. I actually talked to Josh Powell's, uh, psychologist, but, um, there was a guy who is pretty much well understood that he was going through a tough time with his wife. He had mm-hmm. two kids and his wife was wanting to leave him and he was um, he, he was always kind of odd and he was um, not very loving and would be harsh with his wife and his wife was going to leave him. And uh, uh, he killed her and buried her somewhere in Utah. Jeez. And the police suspected him, but they couldn't um, pin it on him. And so he moves to Washington State with his kids. And um, long story short, the state was watching him to make sure that he was a good enough parent because they suspected that his his father was actually sexually abusing people. It's a long story. But anyway, um, so he could only see his kids with visitation. Um, uh, And there was a social worker who would have to be there uh, for the safety of the kids because the state was worried he might hurt the kids, even though there wasn't any strong evidence that he was. Um, The social worker walks up to the front of the house, uh, knocks on the door, Josh Powell opens the door, grabs the kids, pulls them inside, slams the door in the face of the social worker. And the social worker's is like, um, I'm supposed to go into the house, too. Yeah. Um, and so she calls the police. By the time the police is, uh, gets there, the house is, um, has completely blown up. He, he doused the entire... Well, first he took a hatchet to the kids' heads. Ugh. And there's evidence that the kids actually didn't die. They were just Ugh. knocked out. And then... And then he uh, killed himself, or burnt the house down, or something. Um, And it wasn't just like a slow blaze; it was, you know, it like exploded. Sure,
1: that was not, yeah.
0: And this is a famous case, you know. And um, and so this person, Josh Powell, you could say that he was a vengeful killer, but you could also say he was a paranoid killer because he was very suspicious about CPS and and the state, you know, looking into his life and.
1: All this state interference, trying to protect what? My kids? What's wrong with my kids? What right. do you think is going to happen to my kids? You know what? I'm going to kill them. Right. So he, there's evidence that he did care about his
0: children because there are instances where um, he could have just let his kids go to the grandparents and he could have just moved on with his life, but he wanted to have his kids. Um, now, one could say it was only because he just wanted the control. Yes. I tend to believe that he had, uh, quote unquote, normal kinds of parental instincts that a lot of parents have and so uh he thought that well the the world is against us and and he would often talk about that because you know they lived in utah and they weren't mormon and the mormon community he saw them as this big threat sure and so he and then he would just had that kind of mindset of just like the world is isn't safe and
1: can you imagine that social worker man Right. Uh, oh. Right. And, like,
0: thank God he didn't kill her, too, because yeah. he could have just easily grabbed all of them and killed her. Yeah. Which, again, leads us to this conclusion of, like, he wasn't out to kill people. Yeah. It was specific to his family. Yeah. You know? Uh, he wasn't just interested in killing a bunch of people. It was, it, he only wanted to kill it's his weird. his two sons. Um, And there was evidence before that that he cared about them. So how does that make any sense? It, if you have a paranoid mindset and believe that uh, you are actually uh, your family's in danger and the only way out is to kill them, then that's why they do it. Another example in the UK, man, not 36 years old, 2012, unemployed. Um, known to be jealous and violent with past partners. He lost custody of his children. His children went into foster care. He got his children back because he did everything he could to get them back. He had some financial problems, trouble paying rent and such. He was worried he was going to lose his children again. And um, his, At the same time as he's worrying about, oh my God, I'm going to lose my kids again, his former partner, the mother of his ki- of his children, got pregnant by another man. He learned about that. And then he killed his children and hanged himself. Jeez, man! So you know, it does in that situation. It, there wasn't evidence that he was doing it out of vengeance. Yeah, it's doing it out of this fear of of some some real or ima- or imagined threat from outside the family, um, harming your your own children. Uh, the last category I'll say, which is sort of like a, I don't, it's not a good category. It could be applied to any of the previous categories. So I'm going to call culture honor killer. Mm. So this is, again, yeah, yeah. non-sadistic, but a lot of social pressure and social programming to yeah. believe in a certain um, you know,
1: set of ideals that lead you to say, well, I have to kill. <laughs> right, like uh, I, my daughter was seen holding hands with this man, so I'm going to bury her alive, and the mom was protesting, so she has to be buried alive too. Right, exactly.
0: There's many stories like this. Uh, for example, a story uh, that I read about in a study, a Pakistani family emigrated to the UK. One of the daughters wasn't following their traditions. And so the, both the parents actually killed her, uh, mainly the father, but the mother went along with it and they were convicted. So, um, so this is a, and, you, and you, there are examples where they're called multiple people as yeah. you know, the example you gave. And so for this person, it's like, well, they could have been vengeful. Uh, you could also say they're sort of demoralized. You could say they're also paranoid. You could also say they're almost pseudo-altruistic, like I'm saving my daughter from the shame of, of society or something. So it, it, it's hard to say. Um, some people put it in its own category. Anyway, um, the last thing we'll talk about here, which I'm just going to briefly go over because we're running out of time, is evolutionary psychology. So in, in my paper, which is on our website, Psychology in Seattle, um, in which I do a, a deep dive. I wrote a, a, a you know a small white paper on evolutionary psychology, and one of the chapters or one of the sections has to do with parents murdering children because there are in evolutionary psychology in the literature they will try to answer that question: how you know we see this behavior in humans, uh, people killing their own kids.
1: Uh, what is the evolutionary basis of it? Yeah. What do you think? And well, and and you would think if it was like just a gene expression by definition it should end at that line <laughs> you know like so you would think it would get rooted out over a few generations um, well, a single gene expression yeah that's what i'm saying though like but but if if enough of that gene leads to the family's ending yeah right like over time there'd be less and less and less and maybe that is true like you know who knows but um so i i think that a lot of what we do is based on a complex system that evolved uh, to do a lot of different things, th- and and there's a lot of side effects to that. So, for example, uh, you know, we certainly didn't evolve to play Fortnite constantly and stay up all night. But there are other systems at play that that then, when combined with the stimulus from Fortnite, makes it so that yeah, we'll stay up all night playing Fortnite. Um, so, in other words, yeah, in this case, I think that there are some instincts that. Developed naturally uh, in animals and then in humans, things like um, actually preserving the family unit and being jealous of strange things and being guarded of strange things and feeling like you have to succeed in life because that is part of evolution. And then when uh, in some variants of our population, when those things don't go right, the outcome is what it is and the expression of it is based on those genes or on those instincts, but the but the way in which it's tried to resolve is is not <laughs> it's not sensical. You know, it's not like um, it's similar to you feel hunger, so that's natural, and then so you go eat ten ice cream bowls, right? That's not the solution. So you, the, the thing with the instinct was totally right. You needed to eat. You, you, you get hungry. You have to eat. But the solution to it wasn't the right solution. <laughs> and so in this case, it's we're like... We're a lot of emails from <laughs> the fat shaming episode just based on... Oh, my just, God. I didn't mean ice cream. I meant something. But anyway, so, so so the example here is like, the it is true. The person is depressed. They, they feel shame. They have real feelings of shame. They were really uh, not treated well. They had some separation anxiety as a child. Whatever. All these things are real. And so then they they feel like ooh, they may be losing their family, uh, but then the solution is not uh, the the solution it, it doesn't have to be the the murders of the family.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's a perfectly good model of understanding. It's different in evolutionary psychology. So what some and I'm I'm sort of summarizing my paper here. So some researchers uh try to explain why early humans, not modern but early humans would have a, 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 a developed this adaptation this not it's not a side effect it's actually like a necessary part of survival of of an overall gene pool uh, to have an instinct to kill under certain circumstances to kill your children and what they find and so so they looked at many different And this isn't necessarily parents who killed their spouse, but parents who killed their children. Um, They identify the following key points regarding child murder by parents. Number one, most child homicides are perpetrated by their parents, um, half by mothers and half by fathers. Uh, Two, the highest risk of child homicide is on the first day of life. And these early acting perpetrators are often their mothers. Uh, so that's you know it says something. It's mm-hmm. like why would why would uh, you know the highest risk be of women killing their baby like on the first day? Yeah. Three step parents kill at much higher rates than biological parents. And I actually saw research that said differently than that, but anyway. Uh, four motives from child murder include maltreatment, altruistic killing. A- acutely psychotic, unwanted child, and partner revenge. So similar to what we were talking about before.
1: By the way, sorry. The the stepdad stat directly contradicts the mother stat. Well, step, step parents kill at much higher rates than biological parents. Yeah, but it, the, the the mother stat was like right after birth. The mother. Right.
0: Well, that's the among the you know the spans of time that, that have the highest rate. It's yeah. it's right after birth. Um, and anyway. Uh five twenty-four nations, including the UK, Australia, have decreased penalties for mothers who kill their child within the first year of life. Did you know that? I
1: did not know that. Uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, I, I can imagine how this debate went. It's like, but again, it's it's similar to what the point I'm making. Look, a mother has so many chemicals and mental things happening during those first phases of postpartum that uh, they can't. They can't be fully held accountable for all their actions. Now, I, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I'm saying that this could be the logic that they're following. So yeah. therefore, and, and so, similar to what I'm saying is like, yeah, human brains are super complex, and there's a lot of side effects from our complexity, but I would debate against saying that all the complexity we, we see had some really great purpose.
0: Yeah. Or
1: some necessary purpose.
0: Uh, number six, the U.S. rate of infanticide... Um, I think this only includes young children, is um, eight out of 100,000 in the United States. And in Canada, it's about half that at three per 100,000. So we do see some cultural differences, um, but it's such a small number. It's hard to know what the, uh, you know, the variability is. Number seven, despite public perception, a large percentage of child murderers are, are committed by parents who are not seriously mentally ill. Um, So what basically what these people are saying is that infanticide is an evolved reproductive strategy for early humans. So let me read my paper here. If a newborn was defective or born at a time when the parents are having difficulty, the child would require unwanted uh, cost and effort in child rearing. As a real world example of mothers in India who are hospitalized for postpartum mental illness, 43% forty three percent had thought about murdering their child, and thirty six percent had infanticidal behavior. So basically what they're saying is their are speculation, and which is often sort of morphs into fact in their mind, which is silly, is that um, they believe that early humans adapted a mechanism, a psychological instinct, to kill one's children under times of difficulty so 500,000 years ago you're a family and um, you you have a kid because you're having sex with your spouse or whoever and there's a famine uh, and drought yeah there's no we've run out of water and the 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 herds of of elk or whatever are can't be found can't be found yeah yeah. And, um, and I'm sick and I, I'm weak. And so, uh, an adaptation would be selected for, for people, you know, for people who don't have an instinct to kill their kids. Well, everyone dies, including the parents, because they're desperately trying to keep their kid alive and then they die and then the kid dies because there's no parents. But for those who have an adaptation of like, well, maybe it's time to kill my kid so that I can survive and have another kid later because if I keep this kid alive we're all we're all it's gonna you know this kid's gonna drag this whole thing down you know what I mean and so it's that's their hypothesis and so unknown it's hard to know but it it certainly uh, overlaps a bit with what we observe in these family annihilators right their life is going down the tubes and this instinct kicks in for a very small percentage of them That They're going to kill people. Having said that, there's a study in 2012 in India where they asked mothers who were hospitalized for mental illness, postpartum mental illness, probably depression. And about a third of them um, or more had actually thought about murdering their child. Right. Uh, So. That, you know, I don't know what that says. It's hard to know if we evolved that, that mechanism, but, you know, it's, Here, it's, it's, here's not a why, bad,
1: it's not a bad speculation. Here's why I don't buy the conclusions that I think I'm hearing. Um, because because of the following. Okay. Do I believe that animals, uh, maybe in general, certain categories of animals, many categories of animals, uh, evolved to have to be okay with death of their same kind at various different instances and cases and moving on from that death absolutely i absolutely believe it because you certainly could imagine if you were running a simulation and the creatures in question constantly stood at standstill when one of their own dies or when someone is sick and they have to leave it behind that species would probably not last long in in the harsh evolutionary history So I could believe it. like Just in general, at some points, uh, animals got complex enough. And then one trait that was more successful than others was there are cases where uh, the quote-unquote empathy switches in even primitive animals' heads needs to be switched off for the practicality of the moment. So uh, we are being chased by lions, and I actually need to – I think I just need to keep running and not try to help my little – gazelle child that is also running in some cases that might trigger on okay uh this is true for humans as well because we've evolved like that uh therefore could i see that some of that same uh brain working could could help when in older times there was no way to take care of a sick child born sick at birth and therefore the, the, the kind of the communal instinct was like yeah this sucks child was born with blah, blah, blah. We need to put it out of its mystery. And that just became a standard norm. And so there was a kind of like just a cultural understanding of the, Just like many people died at childbirth. You know, like women and child, children constantly died at childbirth from natural causes. So yeah. people were a lot more comfortable with the idea that, hey, childbirth is dangerous. People don't always survive these things. Sometimes we have to put them down anyways.
0: Yeah. What we see in other species, we actually will see them kill their uh, offspring yeah. at times when... Uh, it's perceived by the animal. Yeah, there's certain cues that indicate that resources are low. Right, and, and so it's not uncommon in the animal kingdom. Yeah, um, and so the speculation is that that's why humans do it
1: as well. It, 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 it's hard. It, it's impossible to know. Yeah, we're
0: more it, complex than most other animals in terms of our motivation and our decision making. But
1: the most I would say is this, and I think it's just too general of a term to make a a good conclusion out of. It. But I think this is the most generalized thing we can say. Clearly we did evolve some things, meaning that there were behaviors and genes that were over time preferred and those those survived. But the complexity generated from their combination leads to a myriad of unintended or unexpected consequences not intended but just unexpected consequences and so when you graph out all of humans and all their behaviors you get a, a lot of outliers and you can in fact explain a lot of it by factors that that had some sort of natural advantage in some at some point but that doesn't mean and maybe this is not what they're implying but that doesn't mean therefore that makes you know good evolutionary sense yeah, well, totally. I mean, it's all just making shit up, you know, because there's no way to
0: test it. And our behavior is so varied and weird compared to other animals that it's it's just hard to know. Um, the other part of this is that we have variability in in terms of this behavior across different societies. The other thing is is that as we said earlier, ninety five percent of family annihilators are men. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, you know, and men are socialized to be in control, to be yeah. aggressive, to not uh, stand for humiliation. No one wants to be a cuckold. You know, one of yeah. the bi- biggest insults you can give someone on the internet today, which is I find just to be hilarious. Um, you know, it's you cuck, right? Yeah. And when I, I was just thinking about this the other day, and I was just thinking, so you're insulting someone? It's it's just based just a shade different perspective, it's not an insult because to be the victim of someone cheating yeah, on you. Yeah, it's like,
1: you would think it'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry
0: that that happened to you. Right. Like, it's obviously not your fault that you have an, right. a, an asshole of a spouse who cheated but on you. But in fact, it is. It's like, you're, you're a cuck. Yeah, it's your fault, you know? It, yeah. it's, it's based on this notion that women if you're manly enough or something, they're not going to cheat on you. They can't cheat on you. Yeah. It's like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, women right. or people cheat on people yeah. for all sorts of reasons. Uh, sometimes because you're quote unquote manly, you know what I mean? So, um, so it's just this funny thing. But anyway, it's, it's, it's this huge, we teach that to ourselves and, uh, can motivate again, a very, 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 very small percentage of men to even consider doing this and then to take actions. The other thing I'll say is there's a massive critique on evolutionary psychology that I write about, and you can read my article on on the website, that goes into these specific um, uh, studies that picks apart, you know, this thing. But the main thing is that I was wondering why researchers were even spending the time looking into this and writing about it. And uh, that's always interesting because just reading the study, you're just like, oh. But when you actually try to figure out, wait, what's the audience for this? Yeah. Who are these people? And what I found was a lot of these people, if not all of them, are
1: court experts. So these yeah. are people that are called upon by the defense. That's, what I, that's, why, I was, that's why I was just making my point, which is, because that, that's what I sensed. Halfway through my point, I was thinking, because look, if all they're saying is that, yes, there are uh, kind of innate traits in animals and humans that on accident meaning oxygen by our current society standards, produce these outcomes in some small percentage of cases. Sure, that's, that's interesting and not unexpected. But I sensed that there was an agenda. Right. So because of our uh, associations with evolution, we
0: tend to associate it with lack of control. Yeah. If one evolves to crave sugar right. and someone ends up eating too much sugar, we we have an easier time saying, well, they're not to blame for that. But if someone chooses to eat sugar because they have lack of willpower. So if someone evolved to have an instinct to kill their children, then we should give them a lesser sentence or we might not even give them a sentence at all. And that's why these articles are being published. Um, And so in my critique, I say, okay, fine, you're making a speculation, but, you know, what are these things being used for? And I don't know the answer to that question. You know, I'm not interested in like, making sure people go to jail for long periods of time. I, I I don't really know, but that that's a thing. So in conclusion, the final word on uh, family annihilators is that we have those categories that, that I laid out. We have the culture honor killer, which is sort of a subset. You have psychotic killer, uh, the demoralized killer, which is similar to... The pseudo-altruistic killer, but yeah. not the same. You have the paranoid killer, which is also similar, um, and then you have the very distinct vengeful killer, yeah. and then the very distinct convenient killer, yeah. and then you have people who are sort of a blend. Um, and you know, the bottom line is these are tragic and horrible events. Yep. And when we, uh, you know, it's one thing when two gang members kill each other. It's, it's tragic. But we sort of be like, well, you know, they entered a world that was violent. They knew what they were getting into. And, you know, yeah. they, they're... You they, feel bad
1: for the families.
0: Yeah, they're 22 yeah. And, and they had a lifestyle. And But when a parent kills a child, a yeah. young... you just I, I just can't help when I hear these stories to think about... The life that was lost. yeah, You know, a, a four-year-old girl with her whole life ahead of her. And it's just tragically and
1: senselessly yeah. just taken away. She, she's she's erased <sighs> from history. And and for me, because, you know, so much of life is the moment, the present moment. For me, just that, the the infinite horror of that moment for that little child, you know? that that final moment that final moment of of the uh, lack of comprehension that the thing they depend on the most for survival is the thing that's annihilating them. I know, just hearing that account of Chris Watts' other yeah. daughter saying,
0: "Please don't do this to me. Please don't do what you just don't do to me what you just did to my sister." I mean, it just breaks the heart, you know, to think that was the last
1: thing, which is an interesting statement because what happens is uh, I think you know when a little child sees what a what an adult is doing they don't always understand all the all the complexities right, right? right. So it just looked bad to her probably Yeah and so like for example that statement is similar to like if if s- siblings go to the doctor and they see one of the s- child's getting a shot right. the the child might likely say oh please don't do to me what they're doing to my sibling Right and then the enormity of the, of the the grotesqueness of that reality of, like, yeah. that request, that innocent request.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. You just want to go, to,
0: to, and and sometimes before I fall asleep as a way to occupy my brain, I'll think about if I had a time machine, you know, what, what kind of yeah. noodling would I do? And sometimes I think about this sort of thing. I think about, I would type into the DeLorean to to go to that time. <laughs> yeah. And I would go to, you know, Chris Watts and I'd be like, dude, I'm from the future and I know what you're about to do. Yeah. Uh, don't be a dumbass. Yeah. Just, Just divorce. Away. Just divorce. Here's a hundred bucks. Go. Or here, here's here's ten thousand bucks. Because <laughs> yeah. I also have a time machine. I can, you can do whatever invest can.
1: in the stock. Right. Actually that's great. You go and invest your money because you get the sports almanac. And then you live the life of Riley for decades and then you forget about your original mission. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's end on
0: uh, that lighter note. Um, And the final thing I'll say is for people, uh, you know, you might have to detoxify yourself from this episode. So take care of yourself afterwards, you know, notice your own body. The other thing is, is, be careful about what you expose yourself to in the media. You know, I, I, just because it's news doesn't mean it's healthy. So um, be careful because it's, um, there is such a thing as vicarious trauma or secondary trauma. Having, um, have that, having that image in my head of what Chris Watts did. And I, and I guess I exposed everyone to that trauma through this episode it has a mild traumatic effect on me, which means for me that I have a little bit less, hope in human beings. There's a little bit less hope for, I guess, even my own life. You know, you just feel like, man, what's the point if, if this sort of evil is out there. So you just have to gauge how much of that evil you want to let get under your skin, because I think there is a limit to what we can stand uh, constitutionally, um, even if it is quote unquote, just the news. Um, So please take care of yourself and please take care of others. Oh, the final thing I'll say is that my estimation of all these perpetrators? Is that they were all uh, mistreated, they were all alone, they all felt demoralized, they all felt suicidal, or they were backed into a corner. Yeah. You could say that their brain, you know, wasn't working right, or they were, um, I don't know, just, just bad people. But there's a lot of bad people in the world, you know. Yeah. And and the the thing is, is that. If we pay more attention in general to the isolation and suffering of human beings overall, we'll get a lot of benefits and a very, you know, and I believe that that would reduce the number of these family annihilations by quite a bit. I wouldn't get rid of them, I don't think. But I think, you know, specifically if we we have to allocate, we have to tax the people yeah. and we have to spend those taxes on helping parents raise their kids better. Yep. And, uh And being a safety net, not just a a financial safety net, but also like a a support network safety net for families that have complete, you know, uh, uh, you know, implosions around illness or finance or um, or deaths or, or mental illness like that rec- you know people always say well we got to do something and here's what we do you yeah, yeah. raise the fucking money and you spend it we yeah. have programs that work that yeah. have data that show these are good effects when you spend money in this community 20 years later less dropout less crime less drug yeah. abuse less violence um and yet we don't do it yeah. so we have the answer but we have to spend the money and that means all of you out there have to actually is pay more in taxes. Is it worth it to you? I hope it because you're listeners to this podcast and you have a heart. And so, uh, you know, if you want to do something, you want to you want to reduce family annihilations and all the other bad things in the world, for the most part. Talk to your politicians about social programs that actually help young children um, develop in ways that Mr. Rogers talked about in the 70s. We've known yes. about this for a long time.
1: Yes. And I, I will add one thing is, uh, we're all of us working to destigmatize certain things. It's not going to help all cases. It's not going to help maybe even most of these cases, but, um, you know, it's okay to end relationships. It's okay to move away. It's okay to, to, um, make decisions in life that will be sad, but it's okay. Yeah. Don't stigmatize divorce. And don't stigmatize that. divorce. Don't stigmatize being unemployed. Don't stigmatize getting cheated on. Don't stigmatize, any of these things. Because I think that does make things worse for a lot of people is that, that they have all this additional pressure that's unnecessary. And the way you can
0: destigmatize is I know all of you have been through those experiences. Talk about them if you can. Yeah. The more we out this sort of thing, when Alan came out as gay, yeah. it
1: massively reduced the stigma yeah. about being gay. So, And I wonder, I wonder but I, I bet you that reduced some number of suicides that would have happened. So. If you've
0: been cheated on, if you've been through a divorce, if you have felt like a failure, um, you know, talk about it. Out yourself. Other people will be like, oh, my God, me too. Yeah. Uh, So that's in line with what Burrow's saying, which is a good idea. And please take care of yourself and other people because you deserve it.